0: i started into life uh not really being able to understand how to read very well i just really struggled until i had graduated. barely just kind of everybody just pushed me through the system and got out of high school and then could learn how to read without the pressure but i think what happened in all of that jordan is that i understood that there are different ways to think about the same thing and because of my struggles learning i had to become very very competent at other skills and what that taught me was that there's always a different way to look at things and so past that then I've just been able to come up with creative approaches to different things that people need to get done. And so I've written now 14 books. And as as a person who didn't know how to read as a child, I was like, that, that's so amazing
1: to me. All right, Marnie, I wanted to say thanks again for for coming on today. And wanted to give you a chance just to tell us a little bit more about yourself and what what you have going on right now.
0: Hey, thanks for having me, Jordan. Fun to be here. And hi, you guys. Uh, yeah, life is life is full and life is great. I host Marnie.com as my uh, hub for everything. And then I have another big website, uh, womenspeakers.com. But what got me all here was I started into life uh, not really being able to understand how to read very well. Like uh, when I was in school, I really, really struggled. And um, grew up in a family that was very loving, but I just really struggled until I had graduated. Barely, just kind of everybody just pushed me through the system and got out of high school and then could learn how to read without the pressure. But I think what happened in all of that, Jordan, is that I understood that there are different ways to think about the same thing. And because of my struggles learning, I had to become very, very competent at other skills, compensating skills. And what that taught me was that there's always a different way to look at things. And so past that, then I've just been able to come up with creative approaches to different things that people need to get done. And so I've written now 14 books. Mm. And as as a person who didn't know how to read as a child, I was like, that, that's so amazing to me. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, but life is really full and fun and it's full of hard things, right? Like not knowing how to read or my dad died. Suddenly there's a bunch of things mm. in my life like that. But life is also really amazing and fantastic. And for anybody who's listening, you know, you're either in a just smooth sailing spot, you're in a high five in spot, or you're in a rough spot, but just keep going because it's going to, it's going to make sense after a while and just, just go through and enjoy where you're at and keep going toward what, what's in your heart to pursue.
1: That's powerful. What did, what was the change for you? Or maybe it didn't change, but you, you talk about you were able to kind of squeak by to get through school. Yeah. And that gave you a different perspective. So then did you go Mm -hmm. to college and then what, or what helped you kind of get to that next level?
0: Yeah. You know, I never did. I, I took a couple classes in college and I did okay in them, but that just wasn't really my learning style. I really needed to be learning. And this is maybe one of the biggest things that I train. I mentor leaders all over the world now. And One of the biggest things I train is to figure out who you are, how you tick, what, what works for your brain. Cause all of us are so very different from each other. Even like if you just hold up your thumb and look at one inch of your body, it can convict you or acquit you of a crime in a court of law. One inch of you is so unique, you know? So by the time then that we say, okay, you are a completely unique person And how you're going to approach life and challenges and even what's going to delight and excite you is going to be different from other people. The more that you can lean into that thing, that uniqueness that you have, the more you'll be able to bring to the world and the more delight you'll get
1: from life. So what were those first steps then? What was your first job coming out of school? Oh,
0: so when I was oh my goodness, I didn't wait to get out. I could. I school was always just torture, you know. So right. I started working in Minnesota where I grew up. I could start at age fourteen. So that's when I started working as a door-to-door sales rep, if you can believe it, for jewelry. Mm. <laughs> and then went to work for a couple entrepreneurs, and I think that's where I got my entrepreneurial you know, cravings from, uh, went to work for a janitorial company first as a janitor and then in the office. And then down the, down the hall from his was another company. Uh, they were a ceiling tile company and they needed a little office help. And so here I am 15 years old in an office running payroll and stuff like that. Then I started with a fitness company. And just by the time I was 17, I was managing a fitness, um, a fitness outlet, yeah. So it started early, a really entrepreneurial. And this is, you know, so I'm managing this fitness uh, business, and I still don't really hardly know how to read. I mean, I can sound out words, and I've memorized a lot of words, mm-hmm. but there was no smooth flow to it, like the like like it is now for me. Yeah. So I mean, just I think again, key, start where you are with what you can do, and just move forward, and don't worry that you can't do it all. I mean, it's like nobody can actually.
1: Yeah, like you said, you kind of have to just really embrace the things that you're good at, embrace those skills that you do excel at, because it sounds like maybe you overcompensated for the not being able to read and became really good at speaking and talking to people. And that was that (laughs) sales thing, right?
0: Yeah, right. The sales part was always just really huge, right? And I remember I would make so many terrible mistakes in the office. That was not my strong suit. I remember my one boss, he would come in and he'd say, Marnie, just for one time, if you could make a mistake on payroll in my benefit. (laughs) (laughs) And I don't know why they kept working with me, but they did. That's
1: funny. (laughs) Yeah. So do you think that 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 compensation to kind of lean towards talking to someone Mm -hmm. and building relationships that way would that did that become a strength for you because i'm kind of the same like i'm not writing is tough like i can read but putting my thoughts onto paper Mm -hmm. it's like that that's not the way i want that to sound Mm
0: -hmm. so i think you end up
1: embracing just talk i'd rather just talk to someone because i feel like i can get it out better
0: Right. Yeah. So for me, I definitely, you know, in the fitness business, you don't have to do a lot of reading or writing, you know, you're just talking and moving around and leading classes and stuff like that sales in there too, as well. But yeah, definitely that was where kind of some of the confidence uh, grew there. I went on, I went on then to manage several companies and become just a, you know, in, in sales in general, just become a, you know, award-winning salesperson which was so fun also during those adult early adult years then I started being able to read which was shocking to me I guess I just assumed that I wouldn't be able to Uh, but what happened was once I was out from under the pressure of school Mm -hmm. um, then my brain freed up and I was able to actually absorb and to understand it. And so, yeah, it's, it's crazy. And, and I think that this is what I've seen. I've seen with so many people, if you can get out from under the fear, get very confident in who you are, how you are, then boy, you know, the world opens up in a different way.
1: But you, you mentioned having supportive like parents, was it just that pressure from school and like maybe peer pressure that was putting that burden on you to, to try and excel at reading when you were just, This
0: is so this is so bizarre, Jordan, we have three kids, and uh, they're all adults now. And when when we were going toward, you know, raising them, I decided that I would homeschool them. So I don't have a college degree, barely graduated from high school myself, and I'm going to (laughs) homeschool my children. So that was crazy intense, like, wow, how, how could I even be thinking this? But what happened in the system is that is that there's a teacher and there's a whole room full of students. And I best saw this illustrated in a public, swimming pool one po- at one point my kids one of my kids was in a class and she had so many kids in this class and they would start out from the side and that first excel child would ex- get to the other side way first you know uh-huh. and just be hanging out there waiting for everybody then the 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 middle people would come and then the last poor little straggler would barely touch the touch the side of the pool and boom the whistle would blow go back so what happens to that poor little straggler is that they get left farther and farther There's no time to recuperate. There's no time to breathe. There's no time to catch up. There's no time to ever feel like there's hope. Mm. And I think that that happens to us in multiple ways in our lives and careers, where it's not because there's really a huge insurmountable problem. It's because the way life is set up, it's not set up for you to be an individual with strengths and weaknesses. I mean, it is, but if you think you're supposed to have somebody else's strengths, uh, yeah, that might not work out well. So I feel like, I feel like there was a lot of pressure early on in my schooling years that I could not uh, rise to. And then the best illustration in pedagogue, then when I was learning how to teach my own children was, she just said, um, how many times will it take for you to put a hand, a child's hand onto a hot burner and for them to say, I'm not going to do that again. Most children, it takes one time. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> so, to no so when you are in a learning situation where you are that you are the one that's failing, you're the one that's way behind and I started school when I was age four so I probably just literally was too little mm-hmm. <laughs> you know and then pushed all the way through the system always at the end always you know come bringing up the tail end you know so I feel like I feel like so many things work together there but you know, as I just asked God about it as an adult, like, why would that ever need to happen? Why would that ever happen? Why would you ever allow that to happen? Um, you know, I just got a really clear understanding that it's because I now have a different perspective of the world that helps me to help others who feel stuck and trapped and left behind, or like I just cannot do this thing that I'm trying to do. And it's just each person has their own story, their own journey with that. But I believe that that's why I went through it was that so that I could have both the experience and the compassion and the insight to help other people get through theirs.
1: Well, what, what allowed you to realize that perspective? What allowed you to realize that, Hey, I'm on the other side of this, but I can empathize with someone, but I, now I've been past it. When did you realize, Oh, I'm over this. I'm past it.
0: I probably was in my mid thirties, I think. And the analogy that I have in my mind for this, so you can hear that I kind of think in pictures, right? I think in analogies. So the analogy that I have in my mind for this is that the way that I learn, still to this day is I get thrown into the deep end of a pool. So I remember in business one time, I was contracted to do a a job. It was a $250,000 job. And I had uh, this amount of time to do it. And I had to learn the whole thing. I didn't know how to do it. I had to learn the whole thing. So I got thrown into the deep end of the pool And then what I do there is I just barely keep my head above water dog paddling, you know, for a little while. And then I figure out just a simple little stroke, you know, and then pretty soon I'm getting into a rhythm of it. And now I'm doing laps and now I'm pulling other people in and teaching them what I'm doing. And that's kind of my life. And I think that's why I did a, I did a study years ago on mentoring And when I was doing the mentorship study, it was like I had all the different, most people have a few ways in which they mentor other people. And as I was going through it, I had all the ways, there's 20 ways. And I had all the ways. And I thought the only way that could have happened is that I've had so much hardship in my life (laughs) that I was able to actually come upon solutions and pathways through all of these different things that help us move forward.
1: So how do you help people now that are to go to your picture that are just in the deep end, but you yeah. haven't figured out that stroke, yeah. that rhythm yet? How do you help someone <laughs> right. realize that, hey, there is a way out of mm-hmm. this. You can, you can learn to right. To learn. Yep. So I do a little
0: one-on-one. Um, I do some one-on-one. I have a few coaching clients uh, that I I work with for 90 days, and we go deep dive in. But uh, most of my most of my trainings are done publicly, and I take people through a process. Look, so for example, I work with speakers, and I work with writers. I work with media representatives or people in the media. Um, I work with Christian women's ministry leaders and event planners. Those are my five key areas that I'm working with, and mostly with women. Uh, and usually what these gals have is they have a similar trajectory uh, in their own, in their own zone, but then they're hitting a point where they need help. And so that's where we go into mission and vision and parameters and different things like that. And those trainings are just available at Marnie.com for mentees over there. So you can join a membership program over there and have access to everything. They tap into the things that are, um, that, that are what you need right now. So it starts with a, what I call a SPI, uh, SPI, success principles, intensive training. It's a 6 hour that kind of builds the foundation of how to think. And I start in that, Jordan, I start with how to think about success, because if we just go with the dictionary's definition of success, that is a very, um, that's very difficult to experience a joyful life. That's the one you're using, which is achieving your goal. Okay. So when my first son was born um, in our same group there in our small town was uh, a little girl born and she went on to be a gold medal Olympian. All right. Now, so what happened for her was that her whole life, she was pointed at becoming a gold medalist from the time she was tiny. And then she got on the podium, she's holding you know, she's got the medal and then she gets down off the podium and now she's uh, defending her title and watching it. And they did it in a very balanced way. But at the same time, watching that scenario, it's not how we're supposed to live every day of our lives, feeling like that. You do it for a thing in your life. But if that's how you're living your life to be a quote unquote success, wow, it is so, it is so difficult because even if you ever do achieve exactly what you were shooting for in your mind, this will be when I hit this, I'll be successful. Then you get down off the podium and now you're a past success or you're defending your success. That's a tough way to live.
1: That's deep. One, it's, it's, there's this saying, right? That, you know, someone that enjoys, the journey or like journey. enjoys walking, we'll get further than someone that's just trying to get to the end because yes. you just like the process. So when you right. think about the definition of success and what you teach people, yeah. how, mm-hmm. how do we start to have that framework? Because so much of what society tells us or social yeah. media tells us is this is what success looks like. Yeah. So how do I find it for myself?
0: Yeah. So again, it is back to discovering who you really are because if you would consider the difference between, well, I, I like to phrase it like this. So, if I was a bicycle and I just won the race, I would be feeling pretty good about myself. But then, if I saw a race car go by, I'd be like, <laughs> "Oh man, I'm so slow," right. you know. But then the race car just won the Indy 500, and he's like, "Whoa, I'm so good." And then he sees a plane fly overhead. He's like, "Man, I'm so attached to the earth." And then the plane is feeling pretty high and flying fast, and it sees a rocket go by. It's like, yeah, but I'm still attached to the earth here this way. And then the rocket's flying high and sees a star go by and thinks, yeah, see, I, I just really can't ever really get there, can I? The challenge is not to be a rocket or a star or a bicycle. The challenge is to be who you are. And I always say it this way: when God strung together your three billion base pair of DNA, He did it in a particular way. I mean, there's just wow. nobody else like you. You're it. And you're the only you the world has. And so that's, that's kind of my passion with what I do. It's like, if you're living somebody else's life, if you're trying to be like everybody else, if you're trying to fit the mold, which is back to the beginning of our conversation right now, right? Because I never could, I think I see this differently than most people because I never could fit into any kind of mold. I was just so different. And so like, you know, it didn't work for me to be like somebody else. I couldn't do it. And so I now spend the rest of my adult life then encouraging people. Okay. Even if you can be just like somebody else, you're so unique and you're so important to the world. The world actually needs you. That's why you're here right now is because we actually need what you have to bring to the world. Your gifts, your talents, the exact way that you process information, your skills, your abilities, your connections—right now, I mean, it's all—it's also—it's—it's um, it's all such a combination that makes this beautiful. I call it a spin. but you think of a top, a spinning top, and you know how you start to spin it and it tips over, tips over, and then after a while, oh well, there it goes now. You know, you got it. You got it on a smooth surface, and it's really going. And that's what I, that's what I love. I love when people get to their spin where they're like, yeah, this is, this is now we're firing on all cylinders here. Now we're, now we're going. And it comes back to this um, necessity to recognize that you are actually unique Uh and that nobody else is going to be able to fix it for you or do it for you. That this is you. This is the, this is actually the, the joy and delight of life is figuring out who you are and what you're supposed to be doing here. And when you hit it, it is just um, it changes it changes your experience for sure, and it changes everybody else's experience of you.
1: (laughs) Right. Well, well, that's the thing I want to press on because it's like I think it's hard for people to say, well, what is it that's truly my passion? And I think it's because we're clouded a lot of times by Mm -hmm. outside forces. But then also it's like, well, maybe I do like this one thing, but why would anybody else care about it from my perspective, or why Mm -hmm. would you know what? What if my friends or my family think it's weird that that's my like? You know what I that's mean. So thing, we, right. we get a lot of fear of judgment, a lot of imposter syndrome. Yeah. How do you get people to actually yeah. buy into it? Well, first yeah. identify it, but then buy into yeah. it and actually freely share it with you.
0: <laughs> yeah. Well, I always come from, I always come from a perspective that there is a God that you are created. So that's kind of where I start from. Okay. And if you, if you believe you're a mistake um, that you're just like a, a poof, an accident or whatever, it is much harder actually to accept this, right? If you believe that really somebody intentionally created you the way you were, the way you are, it's much easier to move from Uh, I'm too nervous to be myself into, wow, if somebody intentionally created me this way, there must be a purpose, right? So there's the purpose piece. But I think uh, what you were talking about is so true too, that other people have been telling you things, you've been believing things about yourself your whole life that just aren't accurate, that aren't true. They don't resonate with you except for the fact that you've heard them so many times that you believe them. But other than that, no, and and the analogy that's coming to my mind there is uh, the radio. You know, if you are in your vehicle and you're tuning in um, to listen to a station, and you you hit that station that you maybe it comes on automatically, and you're like, yeah, I'm not feeling like that. And what do you do? You hit scan, right? You hit scan and it starts searching for a station that would resonate with you right now. And what's fascinating is if you got into twenty cars, most likely they wouldn't be on the same radio station because the driver of that vehicle resonates differently than you. And so you're, you know, you're, you're being attracted to something because of who you are. And that is how our relationships actually work in the world is that the people who resonate with who I truly am are attracted to me and what I do.
1: That's interesting. I, I like the, uh, the radio analogy i think the analogies help me your pair i'm gonna call them parables <laughs> uh, your parables help me too yeah <laughs> um but when you think about i so i've talked to um people that have a focus with when well, maybe they coach men or whatever and they talk about you know mm-hmm. men's struggles and you said that you uh yeah. work mainly with women Absolutely. i'm curious that when you think about the success i feel like women have this different uh, especially like mothers like I think about my wife like mm-hmm. this balance of like I'm supposed to be this but I also have this desire here how do you how do you right. fight through that dichotomy of well I want to be a good mom but I also have this you know vision of what my professional life is going to look like how, mm-hmm. how do you work with people through that
0: yeah yeah. So that is, again, it's pretty different for every person. I feel like, I feel like inside of inside of women, there is, a, there is like a pull to both be an incredible nurturing mother. Um, You know, that, that really the children are, you know, spouse and kids are, you know, first. And I think in dads, there's this too, you know, there's really this strong desire to be a good husband and good father. Um, and then in women, there's this other thing that, that I call, uh, I call seasonal um, because what happens for a lot of moms is that they thought, well, like for me personally, I really thought that I would just be a businesswoman Always. I just always thought that I would be in sales or something like that. And then I had kids and it's like, oh, wow. Oh, wow. Okay. Um, so even if nobody pays me, this is actually where I want my attentions to be. And during all those years of homeschooling and being at home with kids, then I was still developing all kinds of skills and knowledge and, you know, all kinds of things that later then there came another season where now it's time to be back, um, be back doing different things. And especially I see this at womenspeakers.com. So we've got about 1400 speakers over there. Um, a lot of the speakers are at a stage where their kids are high school or later or later Um, Some of our speakers are young moms who they can, hey, they have enough grandma, grandpa support and things like that around where they can actually go do this and, and make it work. But a lot of our, a lot of our moms are actually, or a lot of our speakers are actually older and their kids are at a different level. And so that's one of the things I always talk to, especially with moms is, you know, this season that you have with your babies, um, it is really, it goes by pretty fast when you're in it. It doesn't feel so fast, but uh, it goes by pretty fast, and that's a that's a good thing to think about. Where's my heart here? Where is my heart here? And and to remember that later, there will still be opportunities for you later, um, even if you don't take them all right now. You can do things later.
1: And that put, creates a question in my mind: where yeah, yeah. we talk about the radio stations, and we talk yeah, about yeah. how like that's what resonates with you. That's a good indication of what your passions are those things can change over time too right like your passions in your early 20s might be different than your late 40s and that's okay i think that's what Mm -hmm. another thing that people struggle with is like well i was interested in this now maybe it's changing a little bit it's like but that's all right you don't have to pick one thing for the rest of your life
0: okay so i think i think what happens is that um the the form of it changes but the actual core of it i think stays consistent i remember in high school i was struggling so bad and i would there was a really kind art teacher uh, at this one school that i went to and, and she would she would let me come and have lunch with her in her art room and I would do that pretty much every day instead of going with the rest of the kids in the lunchroom. That was just a safe place for me. But I remember she asked me one day, she said, what do you want to do when you grow up? And I said, I don't know. I don't really understand because I'd like to be like an artist or a, a, maybe a nurse, but I can't do either of those things. And and um, then later, I remember thinking in my early 40s or so, I remember thinking, this is kind of incredible. Now I've created all these websites and all these memes and all this um, content like uh, 14 books now and all of this stuff that I've created kind of you know I would call it kind of an artistic way and then in addition to that what I'm doing every day all day is I'm helping people so was I an artist and a nurse Or were those the only words that I had to describe kind of the feeling that I had? I wanted to do something really beautiful that would nurture people that found themselves in a hurting place. Hmm. All right. So now I would call myself a mentor, but, you know, then I thought, well, maybe, but but again, I couldn't imagine how that could come to pass because I couldn't do either of those things. (laughs) I was a terrible artist and I didn't have the brains, you know, I really didn't have that kind of a mental acuity to
1: be a nurse. Well, I think the the mental acuity is just different, right? It just wasn't for school. Oh,
0: absolutely! It's just not for school, right? And a nurse had to be able to well, memorize massive, you know, quantities of things, and that just wasn't um, just wasn't something I could envision doing. I love though that later, looking back, it's like, yeah, it was actually the same.
1: That is interesting.
0: Thing. Totally looks different than those words.
1: But how how did you make that transition to like? the like consulting mentorship role rather than these other things you did in business. When was it through interactions with people coming up and you asking for advice or what made you say this is actually what I want to do and and build a business around it?
0: Yeah. So I think the mentoring thing was must have been deep inside of me all the time. I remember when I was eleven and I started working with four year olds in children's church at our church. And I look back to that and I think I think I started mentoring about then (laughs) mentoring little girls. But I remember the first adult woman who had a child, uh, she had a baby and my son was just two years older than hers. And she kept calling me and asking me about stuff. And I thought, looking back, I think that was the first adult who asked me to mentor her. Um, Not in so many words, but she did. And then it kind of just grew from there. It just grew from there. And as I would do speaking, people would say, I need more of that. And that's where the books came from. I need more of that. Can you explain to me, how are you thinking about that? What, how did you, like, you know, um, you know, one of the books came from, you know, how do you entertain over 100 people a month in your home and serve such great food and, and stay in your food budget? Because we had a really small food budget. And I'm like, how are you doing this? Well, how are you doing this? And that was my first book. And I just went and I interlibrary loaned over 100 books on how to do kitchen. And I was just looking for the book that explained what I was doing and nobody did. And along the way, as I was looking through these books, I was like, you know, that is a really terrible book. And that got published. I could do better than that. (laughs) (laughs) And so that's kind of what we need, right? Is We just need some encouragement to say, you could actually do this. Mm. You could actually do this. And so then I spent four years writing my first book, which was a Kitchen Shortcuts book, and it got picked up by St. Martin's Press in New York. And then I started speaking. So yes, yeah, it kind of... Life is, you know, if you're trying to kind of get the whole journey before you get started. And I think that's back to the thing you were saying, you know, the person who's enjoying the journey. So I have a story I want to tell you about the journey. I had a friend, I had a friend whose daughter was getting married and they had so much fun getting ready for this wedding. I mean, they, when they would shop for stuff, they would laugh. They would just have, they would go out to lunch. They just made a thing of the journey. And, um then the day that um, the day before the wedding, uh, then this daughter uh, got diagnosed with strep throat. And unfortunately, she then, after getting the medication, had an allergic reaction to the meds. She was able to, just looking like a ghost, get down to the front of the church. <laughs> so she's at the front now of the church she throws up she faints they carry her out mm. this is the end of the wedding right and i said to my friend friend i said oh that is so sad i said what did you, did you have a did you have a reception what did you do what did you do then and she said well the pastor just went in the back and married them quietly in you know the the bride's room and she said and the reception felt like a like a funeral she said it was so terrible it was just awful she and then she said this she said we're just so glad that we had so much fun preparing for it because mm-hmm. if we would have waited for the day it would have all been for nothing and that was such a lesson to me i was like right why are we waiting for the day enjoy the journey Today's the day you got Use today, enjoy today, invest in today. And it's back to kind of the women that I work with too. If your heart is for your children, if your heart is to stay with them, you know, and and I babysat some other people's children for a little while and I tried Jordan, I tried my hardest to love them. Like I loved my own kids. I couldn't, (laughs) there's nobody else that can love your kids like you do, you know? And it was, it was eye opening for me because I truly loved those children, but I could not love them. Like I loved my own kids. It was like, wow, even when I try so hard, I can't. So, you know, if your heart's for your kids, just be with your kids. There's time to do other stuff later.
1: Well, that's yeah. the thing that we've had conversations around. It's like, you know, there's always going to be more work. There's always going to be another job. Like you don't have to get it. You don't have to make that money right now. Um, there's going to be plenty of time for that.
0: Right. And the other thing is you come out of, um, you come out of parenting or like in my situation, you come out of homeschooling, you come out of those years, uh, with a lot of different perspectives than you had going in, you know, you, you've learned so much about life doing that and it does change you and it prepares you for actually what's next for you.
1: Well, you know, the thing that I've learned now is like, when you have to, um, internalize like your emotions and learn how to cope yourself before getting frustrated with your kid or like yeah it makes you better at handling all those whether it's an employee or an angry customer it's like you get better at all those relationships so you get to build on it
0: (laughs) that brings up a funny thought for me I always thought I was kind of a nice person you know I always when I was single and dating and then married you know and then I had kids and I was like whoa she's kind of a witch in there she can really be nasty but you know it's because they stretch us in such Um, wow you don't have any sleep you don't you know they need you to do everything for them and you just never imagined how stretching a child could be you
1: know and it's every day i think that's the part overlooked it's like (laughs) there's no off day
0: no vacation you don't get to resign if it gets tough (laughs) yeah yeah Yeah. it's it does it does it changes us right it changes us and, and and for good and for good,
1: I think so I think it's oh, better. Yeah. <laughs> but now, I do think it's it puts everything in perspective and helps um, you realize what's important, and it helps you it helps prioritize too because now that like maybe the days are a little bit shorter when these work things come up, it's mm-hmm. like well, what things do I actually have to get yeah. done um, right. so I can go spend more time with them?
0: Right. Yeah. Yeah. Our most precious treasures,
1: <laughs> for sure. I want to. Th- I think that the leap from not being able to read to writing fourteen books is incredible. And you kind of talked about the first one. Was the first one just so like aha, uh-huh, like hey, I can do this, and it was rewarding mm-hmm. that that's what prompted you to continue to do that, or was it? By oh, demand?
0: not at all, okay. not at all. Because um, after the first the first one, my my editor in uh, New York, she wanted to get me to write more books. Oh, okay. And I was like, you know, I don't think I have any more books in me. You know, that was kind of like this fluky thing. Um, so no, it didn't really work that way for me. But what happened was that people started asking me, like all at once, I would get the same question, like, how are you doing blank? Okay. And that's where the first book came from. It was so many people asking me all at once, how are you doing this? What are you doing different? Um, and so when that came again, I was like, well, I wonder if I could do this. And that time I wrote like a 40 page how to start a women's ministry book. It was just like a little ebook thing. Um, but that went all around the world. That went, uh, there's been over 35,000 women's ministries started using that little book last count, which was a decade ago. You know, I mean, I just quit counting at some point. It was like, okay, why am I still counting this? You know, just let it go. Uh, so, but then after that, what would happen is that people would ask me a specific question or, um, other times, uh, an idea would just come into my heart. Like one of my books is called flow through vessel, which is just, um, like living life as a straw and you know letting God flow through me whatever he needs in the world today instead of me trying to produce something, I just am a flow through vessel. And that one, I had no idea. I had no, I remember when I was just swimming laps, my husband and I were swimming laps in the morning at that time. And I was swimming laps and I was talking to God about, you know, the next book I wanted to write someday, someday. And that book is still not written, but um, the one, the one that came in my, the one that came in my head in the, in the pool was you got to write the flow through vessel book. And I'm like, I don't even know what that is you know, what are you talking about? But then I just came to understand what it was and to go forward from there. So the most recent book I just wrote uh, this year was released in uh, January is called Spiritual Growth. And it's a book for people who've kind of just, you know, you don't really want to, you know, you don't want to talk about Jesus so much, but you just want to figure out, you just want to figure out what's true spiritually.
1: Mm. And
0: so um, I wrote this book, that's just a safe place to explore spirituality and to actually identify what's in your heart. when you think about a God or a future or life after life or things like that, what's what do you think about it? What's actually in your heart? And those are really important things to bring up. And so many people have like said, "Well, I never believe that because so and so is such a jerk," or, you know, hurt me so bad or whatever. You know, we rule out all kinds of stuff based on other people's behavior. Mm-hmm. Uh, but what's really important, again, back to the authenticity thing, is to get down to the heart of what you really believe what, what is in your heart, because that's what makes you unique. And that's, that's what's really true. And, and I always think if God's, if God's really there, then he can handle you because he created you. So it's, it's okay to go actually search for him in a safe place where you can ask the deep questions and the hard questions.
1: Is that the first step you what introduces someone is when they're thinking about spirituality is like, well, just the openness and the curiosity to ask the questions is what kind of leads them down that path to find it for themselves.
0: I think that's where we all start. That's where we all start with God. I mean, I, you know, with spirituality, I think we all start with, Hey, why am I here? What is this all about anyway? And there's enough, there's enough going on. Even I just think of the complexity of our bodies, um, you know, how, And maybe when, when I had kids, maybe I thought this more just the miracle of life, like that Mm -hmm. is so incredible. And how does this all, you know, work? But I think, I think it is back to uh, not being narcissistic at all, but starting with you, because that's actually the only person you have any kind of control over, Uh, you know,
1: (laughs) you're well, understanding right, of right like at least you understand Under, yourself right a little bit better than
0: yeah that. right and and you actually you actually have choices you actually have choices about your spirituality that really aren't dependent on what your parents thought or what some pastor said or anything like that they're you your choices and they're your
1: responsibility but the the spirituality thing seems like it's a big impact on on your work and and your life oh, was it was it because me. you were raised that way or is it just something you found later
0: no, I was yeah. I came to know Jesus uh, personally at age four. So, and in the book, I don't even talk about that at all because right. I want people to just feel safe to just you know just go go down the path, see where it leads you. Um, but but yeah, I've known Jesus since I was a little girl, and I just love talking to God all the time. I'm just always talking to
1: him, and he's always talking to me. And what a, what a way to live! Is it just a for you? Why is it so impactful? Just that comfort of knowing that there's you know, Mm -hmm. that, that, that source there of whether it be peace or inspiration Mm -hmm. or power, what, what is it about Mm -hmm. that that helps you so Mm -hmm. much?
0: I think I was able to articulate it, uh, best just in the past year. Uh, I, you know, I've done a lot of study because I, because I work with success a lot as a topic. Um, I've done a lot of study into, you know, um, power of positive thinking and vibrations and all that kind of stuff, you know, Mm -hmm. and, uh, I realized just this last year now, I realized that, um, working with the law, we call it, you know, the laws of the laws of um, gravity, the laws of reciprocity, the laws of, you know, um, The tides in, tides out. There's rhythms, there's seasons, there's all these laws. And when we work with the laws, we have more success than when we work against the laws, obviously. Uh, Whether you know them or not, if you're working with the laws, uh, you are going to be more successful than when you jump off the side of a cliff, not knowing gravity is a thing. You know, Mm -hmm. I mean, it's like you just, the more you know about them, the better. But I realized the difference between working with the laws and working with the creator who made the laws. One is working with a very, you know, I mean, the laws are what the laws are. You either do it or you don't get the benefit, right? Um, If you don't know about gravity and you walk off the cliff, well, it's a bad end. Uh, There's no, there's no grace there. Gravity has no grace. It's just gravity. You know, you can learn to work around it like an airplane, but, uh, but, but you're still working within the law. Whereas relationship, that's, that's completely different. A relationship with the lawgiver. Now that is a completely different whole aspect of life. Now, now I am working so far beyond the laws. And I always say, there's one thing I can't live without, Jordan. It's grace. Mm-hmm. I can live without so many things, but I cannot live without grace. And that's that's the God who created the laws. He's the God of grace. And so knowing him, yeah, changes everything.
1: Do you incorporate that into your mentorship with people? Because when I look back now, I'm like. know my dad's always been a big inspiration to me and one thing that sticks with me that he always said was that you know man makes his plans but god directs his steps (laughs) and it's like because i would always tell him all these things i'm going to do and it's like and he would just say that to me so when you think about someone on their path and their journey to success or whatever they're trying to do in life do you incorporate some of that spirituality into i
0: do and you know i i um because i because i train cross um culturally so in the business setting, in the government setting, in a church setting, across the world, whatever, uh, because I train everywhere. I just always ask permission for how far I can go. Like, how, do you want me to mention the name of Jesus or is that, to, you know, politically incorrect here, whatever? You right. know, and it just depends on who's hosting me, who I'm talking to. But the bottom line of what I know is that, um, is that there is a God. I'm just going to say it as a fact because I know it as a fact. But for you who is listening, maybe you're saying if there is a God. So let me just phrase it that way. If there is a God, then he's big enough to be able to handle wherever you are and whatever questions you have.
1: I like that. When it's like, um, I've heard different people, I think people get turned off from religion per se, because of the paradigm that it can be in certain aspects. But a lot of people still find their way back to some sort of spirituality. Um, Yeah. Some sort of of understanding, yeah. Like there's something, there's something more, there's something bigger. So yeah,
0: when you said religion, that that makes me laugh because when I think of Jesus, you know, so the Bible claims that Jesus is God and that he came as the perfect God man, lived a perfect life, then died on the cross to pay for sins, right? Okay, so if you think about Jesus's life, who were the only people he wouldn't tolerate? religious people i mean they bring him they bring him the prostitute yeah yeah she's okay you know just go on you know yeah he didn't care he didn't care about any of that he cared about the religious people who were pretending Mm. to be something without knowing what they were they were they were the law keepers jordan Uh, it's funny that i was just thinking that right now why did he hate that so much it's because they had a relationship with the law and not with god yeah. And does a relationship with the law actually take you places? It actually does. It really right. does. I mean, there's so much power there and I see why people get all hmm, consumed with it and kind of like, this is my focus now, you know, is to just be positive all the time. And, you know, and, and that, that's great because that's really powerful, but it is the law giver who actually brings, brings the joy to the relationship. Uh, you don't have a relationship with law. I mean, you can
1: I want to ask you, because I feel like you'd give an interesting perspective. This might be a little off topic, but since you think in pictures, how do yeah, you, yeah. how do you picture, how do you picture God?
0: Oh, thank you for asking me that. <laughs>
1: well, I, I toy with this in my mind all the time. Cause I'm like, well, cause you know, like C.S. Lewis, I think it was, that talked about, yeah. you know, when you think about life and it's like this timeline, like, and you're trying to find God, Yeah. like God's the sheet mm-hmm. of the paper that the timeline exists on. So I'm always wondering like how other people <laughs> right, that's good. picture God yeah. rather yeah. than Jesus or the image that we see, but how do you actually picture God?
0: Yeah. So I um I like to consider myself like just a child who's an adult, you know, kind of, I'm just very childlike in my thinking. And I also had the privilege of having a really good dad. And even when I was an adult, sometimes he'd say, come here, and he'd have me sit on his lap and he would just talk to me like that. And he was just such a great dad and really modeled love, modeled um, uh, responsibility, cared for me deeply, set really rigid rules for me to protect me. Uh, You know, he was just a great dad. And so when I think of God, I actually think of him, not like my dad, but kind of like a dad like that, the best dad you can ever imagine. And so actually, when I go to uh, talk to him, when it's just me, I see myself running, running toward him. And like I did with my dad when I was little jumping on his lap. (laughs) And I just, I just sit and I just talk with him and he talks with me. And, and that's it. And then when somebody else wants to pray, then I just say, I just say, like in my own mind, I say, let's just hold hands and walk together up to up to dad and let's just Mm. talk to him about it because he knows everything he's just like this amazing one of the things in the bible it uses the word abba father which just means daddy or papa father it's like this this daddy beloved god that you can come to and that is not the god that most churches preach and most people understand most people understand god to be much more terrifying than the laws but the reality is when we come to him humbly knowing that he is the god of our lot uh he's just all wide open to that
1: thanks for sharing that mm-hmm. i thought i knew you'd give a good descriptive <laughs> answer answer of what, it, what actually it
0: what's for. really fun about it what's really fun about it is just in the last year i've changed my homepage at marnie.com and it just the first thing you see when you get to marnie.com is come sit on daddy's lap <laughs> so i think it's really cool you asked me
1: but no i just think I, i'm always big into like how people picture things in their mind because i think it's Mm -hmm. it's interesting that we all have a different perspective of Mm -hmm. reality itself so the more you know perspectives you can get i just feel like it's better for you
0: yeah absolutely absolutely
1: i'll start to close but i want to think about what is if you were trying to tell someone one key Mm -hmm. one one piece of advice what is it that you share with people
0: I think the most important thing that you can do in the moment, whoever you are, wherever you are, whatever you're going through, is to look at your sum and to realize that you are so unique and that the path forward for you is going to be a unique path. And to actually not only acknowledge that it's true, but embrace that and say, you know what? Out of all the things I could do going forward, what I want to do is what resonates with me. And some people are so scared about that. They're like, well, you know, what if I resonate with really bad stuff? And I'm like, you know, at the surface you may, and for a while you may, but the reality is that deep down inside of you, when you begin to get truly authentic with yourself, you're going to realize you really don't love those destructive behaviors or those the destructive pathways, because actually every person deep down inside has love for themselves it's there somewhere. And it's not the narcissistic love that's so broken. It's, it's a true love. It's a true love that's been built into your system. And so I just encourage you to just begin to be true to yourself, begin to be true to yourself. It may take you down some paths that you are surprised about. Maybe some that you're like, Whoa, I mean, I don't know how many times I've said this, Jordan, Hey, I don't want to be that person. Like, that's not what I was thinking, you know. Mm But then like we went vegan and I was like, ooh, I don't want to be vegan. Yuck, I don't want to be vegan. And then I am not vegan. We went through two years of vegan. I got pretty sick. um, But it really changed how we ate. We hardly, it it really changed. We have so many more fruits and vegetables now than we did before we went vegan. You know, so just go, go where, go where you think you're going right then. and, And it'll come through. It'll come through.
1: That's awesome. So how can people best follow you follow what you got going on or get more information about um, the, the things you offer?
0: Yeah, so every day I publish a just an inspirational meme in the morning. Uh, and so wherever you're at, Twitter or you know, LinkedIn or wherever you're at, just follow me there, Marnie Swedberg or else mentor Marnie, and that's M-A-R-N-I-E. Otherwise, just all the links are over at my website, Marnie.com, and you can find everything I'm doing. I host summits usually once a month or so, once every other month, a summit uh, that's open to the public and free. So come hang out with me at a summit. And uh, just yeah, whatever works. I'd love to love to uh, just continue the relationship
1: as well. Awesome. Well, I, I can't thank you enough. Cause I think you offer a lot of good insight on, on both success and spirituality, which I didn't know we were going to get into, but I appreciate it.
0: <laughs> oh, this was so fun, Jordan. I knew when I knew when I was reading your bio and learning more about you, I thought,
1: Oh, we'll have plenty to talk about <laughs> for sure. Well, thanks again.